The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I'm your host, Peggy Kaczynski, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster at NBC Chicago for 17 years. I am the baby boomer. I'm Jason Commander, freshman at UT Austin, Generation Z, writer at CBB Review, and on-air channel for TSTV Sports. Hey, thank you everyone who has downloaded the Sportscaster and Her Son from Apple, Podbean, or wherever you are listening. Please continue to do so and spread the word to your family and friends. Don't forget to rate us as well because that is our podcast lifeblood is ratings. It's how we actually move up and help new listeners find us. Okay, so typically with the podcast, we always say we don't get along, but we both share a passion for sports. And Jason, I have to say that in the last Almost two years now that we have been doing the podcast together, um, it really has brought us together in a different kind of way. And uh, you, you've matured, I've mellowed, uh, we get along great, and we get to talk about not only sports, but lots of other things as well. Would you agree? No, I totally do agree with that. I'd say the only like little snag when I'm away at school sometimes is waking up a little earlier than I normally would, but I really do enjoy it. And it's kind of nice being able to uh, be away from school and take a little break from like the the grind of schoolwork or like going out with friends all the time. It's kind of, it's kind of nice to have like a little bit of a hiatus from that and to just talk about sports with my mom, which a lot of people don't really have the privilege to do. Um, I just, I feel like I've talked to way too many people who are like, Oh yeah, my mom doesn't even know like what a football looks like. Ah. You know, you know that would suck. So ah. I'm just I'm really fortunate to have a mom that is very well versed in the sports world, and uh, I mean that I do a podcast with. Not to not to be cheesy or too too simplistic, but I mean yeah, I really do appreciate all of it. It's a good time. I enjoy it maybe a little more than I do when I'm at home, just because it's night. It's kind of more of like a like home here a little bit but yeah no I love it all right so because you are at UT Austin I am watching more Texas sporting events than I ever would have before and can and I just you say the Baylor game. I was just gonna bring up the Baylor game the basketball game you know second half it was still a two-point game going back and forth and I don't care what anyone says the dunk the slam was phenomenal but the technical totally took away their momentum and changed the rest yeah. of the game. I don't care. Everyone's saying, I was watching ESPN, and they're like, yes, but after a dunk like that, like, I'm okay with the technical. Yeah. No, it totally changed the momentum so, of the game, and it went out to be like a blowout. See, the way I saw it, and maybe this is a little skewed by it, that was the – most atrocious technical foul call, especially considering the scenario. I mean, I, I'm really sorry that 
Greg Brown looked at the defender after he dunked on him. He didn't step over him. He didn't flex on him. He just looked at him. He didn't look very happy, but he just looked at him. So, to be honest with you, the, the technical foul, the call was BS, but were we going to win anyway? Probably not. Baylor's incredible. They shoot, they shoot the hell out of the ball. They have five guys that shoot over 40% from three. And then when they're not hitting the ball, when they're not hitting their shots from three, they play the best defense in the country. They have the two top defensive players in the country. So they're a nearly impossible team to beat. Even with, like, at what point, at one point, Texas led by three in the second half, and Baylor's won every game by eight plus, even leading by three. I never really felt like in my mind that we had a chance to win the game. So we're going to talk about the GOATs. Who do you think is the greatest of all time college basketball player? Greatest college basketball player of all time. I mean, truth be told, um, I'm not as, like, I'm, I don't know as much about like, the historical aspect of college basketball, so there's probably a better answer than the one I'm going to give, but I believe Wilt Chamberlain yeah. is a statistical leader in most things in college. At Kansas. And he's one of the greatest players in NBA history, and he played at Kansas. So yeah. I'm going to go with Bill Chamberlain. I was actually thinking the same thing. You know, uh, Luel Cinder at UCLA as well, you know. Same uh, Bill Jabbar, yeah. Yep. Um, you know, I think that in terms of truly back when guys stayed in, you know, for four years and led their, their teams to, you know, two, three, four championships like that. So I, I would agree with that. So – when it comes to athletes, uh, the question with the GOAT is, were they always the star or did someone unearth a rare gem? When it comes to football, we are taping this before the Super Bowl. And so, of course, everyone's talking about the GOAT at quarterback, Tom Brady. Jason, your thoughts on Tom Brady, the greatest to ever play the game at that position? I do think so. I've, I'm... It's not for me like the MJ LeBron debate is where you feel like MJ gets the uh, benefit of the doubt of the fans who just hate LeBron James most of the time because most of those people that are like real sticklers for Michael Jordan and the MJ LeBron debate actually were not alive to see MJ play. So I feel like, I, okay, I will say this though. So typically I will side with the, with like the, I, I, I try not to have recency biases with these conversations about the greatest player of all time, which is why I still think Michael Jordan's a great basketball player of all time. But that is a conversation for a totally different podcast. Okay. With the Tom Brady talk, there, first off, there aren't really quarterbacks who have put up comparable numbers throughout the course of their career. And the thing with Tom Brady is it's, it's sustained success. And in any sport, in any walk of life, life, Sustained success is what's going to make you happy. It's going to make you rich. It's going to make you successful. So obviously, the track record of success year in and year out. But for me, what's the most impressive thing with Tom Brady is, is it doesn't matter who's who's on the, those Patriots rosters. No matter how good the defense was, didn't matter who he had on the O line, who were, who his receivers were. Because believe me, he had some years where there were where it was there was very little in the way of talent and at the receiver position in New England. So when you look at what he's had to work with, and yes, obviously Tom Brady has thrown the football to some of the greatest pass catchers in the history of the game. Mm -hmm. Randy Moss, Rob Gronkowski, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I, I just think that the 
how year in and year out, regardless of the state of the league, the state of his own team, you got basically the same result from Tom Brady. And that is incredible to me because any sport is the hardest sport to go back to win back to back championships in, which is why what the Chiefs are trying to accomplish on Sunday is so impressive and so monumental in football and in sports. But as a player, to pretty much see a track record of the expectation and the outcome of being in the Super Bowl almost every year when you're not in the Super Bowl, made the conference championship with the exception of only a couple of years is incredible to me. It's incredible to me. So the thing that I like the most about Tom Brady is the standard that he has set for himself for where he wants to finish every single year. What I love, though, is just like Michael Jordan, when you are surrounded by great players on your team, you know, like the Scottie Pippins and, you know, uh, Gronk for um, Brady, you also have to elevate the games of the other guys because not everyone is going to be the best at that position on that team, right? So the fact that he can turn a Julian Edelman into an amazing player. And you look at now a Scotty Miller, a, a, a kid here from, you know, Arlington Heights, Elk Grove. Well, look at this. When you, when you take a kid that nobody was interested in, yeah. um, went to, I think Bowling Green, um, he was a track star and, and he's become the Julian Edelman, you know, for Tom Brady, Tom Brady, elevates other guys' games. And yeah. that's what the greatest do. You you can yes, you are surrounded by great athletes as well and great talent, but you also elevate the games. You pull that potential out of players. Absolutely. Right? I mean it's amazing. Absolutely. It's really something. Absolutely. And I'd say that's more of a testament to the leadership aspect and the social slash like locker room aspect of being a franchise quarterback is you need to be the guy who's in the middle of everything in the locker room, even though offense and defense can be um, sort of on opposite sides of the spectrum socially on the team. Uh, it's about being the glue and about being the guy who rallies the troops both on and off the field. And that's what Tom Brady's done for his entire career. If you had told me in the middle of the season when the Chicago Bears played Tampa Bay and Brady forgot what down it was. If you had told me then that he would take that Buccaneers team to the Super Bowl, I would have laughed in your face. There was no way that team was a Super Bowl team. It blows my mind that they are in the Super Bowl. It really does. Uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. When you look at the roster on paper, it the Star power on offense of this Buccaneers team is incredible. It's like at every position they can go at least three deep with guys that you would want to see on your own team, especially a wide receiver, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, like you said, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, Antonio Brown, all guys that are quality receivers, tight end, Gronk, Cameron Bray, OJ Howard before he got hurt, running back, LaShawn McCoy, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, all good running backs. It's incredible incredible but they the weren't playing as a team well. then they were not playing well they were as not a playing team. as a team but the defense has also come along as well which is very important because i feel like this Buccaneers defense is a lot of guys who three or four years ago would have been 
absolute superstars on this defense because that's where they were in the NFL. And Dominican Sue is not nearly what he used to be. Jason Pierre Paul, Jason Pierre Paul is not what he used to be. Levante David is not what he used to be. And the secondary is kind of garbage, and that's why I think the Chiefs are going to win. And that's why Tyreek Hill almost caught, almost racked up 300 receiving yards against them when they played earlier in the season. So, um, but no, the. It's it's been about both units getting getting together. The defense was pretty bad in the early season for the Bucks as well, and and I I mean yeah, it's just like it's another thing from Tom Brady, his ability to pull his teams together regardless of the scenario. It's pandemic season, not not full crowd, not full workouts. You know, Tom Brady's had the same schedule pretty much for the past twenty years, and to have something like a pandemic come in and kind of screw that up, I think that it's just another testament to his greatness that he was able to make it to the championship, to the Super Bowl this year, considering the circumstances of COVID and considering his age. Like, I think back to when Dad was Tom Brady's age. Tom Brady's, what, <laughs> 43. And, you know, Dad's no athlete in, like, a, like a football sense. I mean, he, he's going to get on my ass about saying this. And, oh, I go on a bike ride every day, you know. It's okay, I love you, Dad. But I think back to when Dad was 43 which was back when I was in like elementary school and and you know as much as I love dad I could never picture him being on a football field at that age I have friends whose parents are that age and I could never picture them being on the football field so it's incredible to me there's just so many different angles so many different aspects you can look at this from and and it will still never like I, I can still never fully wrap my head around it speaking of dad happy 55th birthday to Jason Canander senior Happy 55th birthday to dad. Yep. Hey, hey, why don't we talk to somebody who knows Tom Brady better than you and I from afar? Someone who uh, knew the high school kid that ended up going to Michigan. He was part of the recruiting staff at the big house. What do you say? Yep, let's do it. Coach Bobby Morrison, former Michigan assistant coach from 1987 to 2002, and the recruiting coordinator from 96 to 02 as well at the Big House. I think he knows something about the recruiting of Tom Brady. Coach, good morning. Thank you for joining the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you, Peggy. Thanks for the call. Absolutely. Great to hear your voice. Oh, you too. So on the on the eve of another Tom Brady Super Bowl, it must just be... I, I tell me what goes through your head when you think about the 16 year old kid that you knew back then and now a 40 something year old man making history on the football field in the National Football League. Well, you know, I, I think back about the recruiting of Tom, but you know, really when I think of Tom Brady, I think of um, it's kind of personal with me. I'm not, in that I had uh, my last few years at Michigan, I had bladder cancer and, and my son drove, who's in captain in the Navy in Hawaii flew to Washington and drove up here and spent time with me while I was going through the uh, neobladders. What I have put in, they took my uh, bladder out and I just wanted to do something for him. And he has a little daughter, Peyton. And I asked uh, Tom if he would get uh my granddaughter, a football. And he signed a football from one of the Super Bowls and sent it to her. 
Wow. And that means so much to me. And of course, I had to tell her she was out in the yard playing with it. I said, Peyton, you don't play with that ball. You put it away and you don't touch it because one day it's going to be worth gazillions of dollars. <laughs> but anyhow, that's what I, when I think of Tom Brady, I think of that part of Tom Brady. But, you know, the recruiting of him was a, is a whole different story, but he's one of the most genuine people that I've ever met in my life. Tell, tell us about the recruiting of him. Tell, you know, it's not the same. It, it's, you know, there's the ratings now are so different and so accessible with all the social media and all the websites. What was it like back then with this quarterback from California? Well, at that time I was, um, Gary Moeller was the head coach. And Bo had retired, and Garrett and Mo was the head coach. And um, my recruiting area was the East Coast. So I had uh, Maryland, D.C., Jersey, all the way up the East Coast and down the East Coast. And I had this quarterback from Maryland that I was recruiting by the name of Bobby Sablehouse, who at that time, they didn't have five stars and four stars and three stars and all that stuff, just like you said. But the biggest thing that they had was you made the USA Today All-American team. I mean, that's all it was. And then they'd have the players of the year in the States and stuff like that. And Bobby Sablehouse was ranked the number one player in the country. And so I'm recruiting him in Maryland. That was my area. And a Thursday night after practice, Mo and I got in a private plane. We flew to Maryland. We sat down in Bobby Sablehouse's home, his mom and dad, who are originally from Cincinnati, so had an affiliation with being around Michigan. It was a, a great evening, and they're great people, and, you know, they didn't leave anything. Uh, they wanted him to come to Michigan. And Bobby said, well, I talked to Steve Spurrier at Florida, and I promised him that I would at least visit this coming weekend. This was a Thursday night. And then I will call you on Sunday night and we'll confirm about me coming to Michigan. And so, you know, Mo and I felt good going back on the plane and like everything was good. He called me on Sunday night and said, um, coach, I've decided I'm going to play for Steve Spurrier in Florida. I'm going mm. to Florida. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Well, you don't recruit. It's not like you have an abundance of quarterbacks. I mean, you're not working 10 guys to get one. You know, you're, we had all of our money thrown in the, not money, but I'm saying that just, <laughs> but, but we had all our marbles in that pocket of Sable House because we thought we were going to get them. Oh. And he called on Sunday night and uh, I told Mo and Mo, so the next morning we had a staff meeting and Mo says, first thing he says, well, we lost Sable House. What are we going to do? So everybody's just, just 16 or 15 or 16 of us sitting around the table and Billy Harris rose, put his hand up in the back and says, I've got this kid in California that I think is pretty good. I don't know. He's recruited, you know, by the West Coast schools, but I think we might have a shot at him. Well, what's his name? His name's Tom Brady. Wow. So we, we that's when we really picked up the steam and started recruiting Tom Brady really hard. But the interesting thing about the whole thing is that Sable House, and I have been kept in contact. I don't know whether Sablehouse and Brady have because they really never came into contact. But Sablehouse went to Florida, never played, transferred to Maryland. And he laughs about this. He says, can you imagine if you'd have gotten me instead of Tom Brady? Oh. So 
he went to Maryland, transferred to Maryland, never played never played a down of football again. Graduated from Maryland, and he is in L.A. in Sable House Films, and he's producing films. So I chat with him, and he laugh, we laugh about it all the time. I, he said, "Can you imagine if I'd have come to Michigan, you wouldn't have gotten Tom Brady?" Unbelievable. <laughs> that is an unbelievable story, isn't it? It really is. And you know what? And the thing about it is, is you know, I don't. I'm sure Tommy knows who he is because that year. Um, Sable House was the number one quarterback in the country. So I'm sure Tommy knows that much about it. And I'm sure, to- I don't know whether Tommy's heard the whole story. I'm sure he has. I'm sure he has. So just a quick question for clarification before I get into my real question. So I feel like we never hear about Tom Brady, the high school football player. Was he like a very well recruit? Was he like a blue chip recruit? Well, you know, I know uh, <clears throat> he went to San Mateo High School. He, he, and, you know, the other thing is he has one of the greatest families, his mom and dad, sister. I mean, they're just unbelievable people. But, um, yeah, he was recruited pretty heavily on the West Coast. I mean, Cal was recruiting him because he was kind of in their backyard. Uh, I don't remember who else, but I know Cal was one of the big schools that was recruiting him. Back to our conversation with former Michigan assistant coach Bobby Morrison. But first... Have you ever dealt with bunions? I have. It got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the Sklar Bunionectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you can be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. And now back to our conversation with Coach Morrison. So here's, here's my question. I feel like with, and unfortunately, I've never been lucky enough to be in the presence of Tom Brady. But what I feel like, the aura around the greatest players and I guess even the greatest people in history and in our generations are like they just carry themselves differently. They just go about doing things differently. It's just like everything they do, we're like, you know, like that was just a classic Tom Brady thing to do. Was there any point at Michigan where you got any sort of sense like, okay, this guy's going to be like really special, like not just like a great college quarterback or not just like having a chance to contribute in the NFL, but like, did you ever have like the slightest, and I mean, absolute slightest sense in college at Michigan that he was going to be at least a Pro Bowl quarterback? Well, I mean, I, I, I dealt with him because I was coaching offensive tackles and tight ends. And so I would see him every day at practice. Um, but, you know, we had some, I mean, Drew Hansen was there at the same time that he was. He was, a, <clears throat> he was the number one rated quarterback in the country when he came out. 
And so, you know, I, but as a, the biggest thing I would say, Jason, more than anything is that as a person, I have never, I would, you would never question it if you knew him as a person. Okay. I don't know whether that answers your question. No, 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 no. It definitely, it definitely does. Cause like for me, I've never like personally met anybody that you could consider like the greatest, like one of like the greatest athletes of our generation, you know? So like I've always wondered like what those people are like because the way that people talk about them, you just assume that they're so much different than just everyday people. Okay. They are really, I mean, he is, I mean, he is, I mean, he has time for anybody, anytime. He's, he's, like I said, he's the most genuine person I've ever met in my life. I don't know what else I could say. As somebody who recruited Tom Brady, I'm sure you've had this question a million times, but I'm going to ask it anyway because I want to hear it for myself. What about his game in college immediately translated so well to the NFL? I would say it would probably be his the mental part of it. I mean, the preparation part of it the study um you know he just was uh, he was just into it all the time i mean if he threw out the wrong foot or if he did this or he's very critical of himself and and um you know he he wouldn't make the mistake again you know if he made a mistake he's not going to make it again but he was he was his biggest critic i mean regardless of coaches or anything else it was it was he himself that judged himself and was so critical of himself. I mean, if he can't be, I mean, he's really pretty hard on himself, to be honest with you. When, you know, um, I've seen people that, you know, you throw an interception or something like that. And, you know, you think, oh, you know, you gotta, there's the next play and stuff like that. But he's pretty, he's pretty tough on himself. So I I think that's probably one of the biggest things. Coach, that reminds me of an interview I saw with him. I want to say it was like on 60 Minutes or something like that. Um, and uh, where he talked about the the Michigan, the guy in the the, the uh, athletic department at Michigan that he started seeking out for um, like sports psychology type of help. Um, Greg Harden. Okay. Is that true that at one point that he was so down on himself? I mean, he was battling. He watched Brian Greasy. Greasy leaves. He's in a battle with Drew Henson. Uh, was it true that at one point that he he – considered transferring out of Michigan and then he really kind of um, sought the help of Greg Harden, helping him with like the sports psychology of being uh, a, a better athlete. Well, I think, you know, um, the biggest, you know, I think he had a hard time with, cause he'd worked so hard and then Drew Henson, you know, he was labeled like Sablehouse. Drew Henson was, he yeah. was the number one guy in the whole country. So now this kid comes in and here I am and I have, you know, and, and it was a pretty fierce competition. Drew Henson wasn't chopped liver. I mean, he was pretty good. And so, you know, and the other thing is he probably felt like Drew Henson was 10 miles from Ann Arbor and he's from San Mateo, California. And so, you know, he might've had some feelings of, uh, but you know what, just between, I mean, I never had a doubt in my mind that it was going to be him because he just was such a competitor and he wouldn't, he wouldn't leave anything unturned. And thank goodness he went to see Greg Harden because I can't imagine what it would have been like without him. 
All right, I'm going to give you a little quiz here, Coach. Um, oh no, 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 no quizzes! I've been retired too long. You can't me. make him. You can't make. You can't make him very tough now. No, I think you're going to know the answer to this. Um, I don't even know half of these people. Well, ninety percent. So, what do these guys all have in common? Uh, Chad Pennington, Giovanni Carmazzi, Chris Redman, T. Martin, Mark Bulger, Spurgeon Wynn. What do they all have in common with Tom Brady? Well, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know some of those names, but I'm guessing they were quarterbacks. They were all quarterbacks taken ahead of him in the 2000 draft. Oh. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Well, something Chad Pennington or <laughs> Chad Pennington. Yeah. Pennington from Marshall. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, I, I, yeah. So now none of them are anyhow. No, right? I mean, Giovanni Carmazzi. Who the heck is that guy? I thought it was going to be a pizza. Or I know. So, so yeah. what is it about when these guys come out of college and the transfer to the NFL? Is it the combine? Is it uh, what is it that 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 teams are missing? Uh, do they rely well, too much on numbers, on stats, and what is it that they're missing that a guy well, like Tom Brady? In, 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 in my opinion, you're at Peggy. You've hit it right on. I mean, the ones that, I mean, they go and everything is measurement. Everything is forty yard dash time. I mean, what does he do the shuttle in? I mean, what's his height? What's his weight? Um, you know, and Tom Brady would not in any of those probably wouldn't test very well. Right. You know, but you, you, they haven't tested inside his chest and, and between his ears. I mean, that's where that guy has the advantage over everybody, in my opinion. So hard to do. So hard. I mean, we just hear. Yeah. How do you measure right. your heart and how do you measure your brain? Right. Yeah. I mean, we. Because if you looked at strength of arm, you looked at physical ability, you looked at all, all those guys would test much higher than Tom would. But. You know, as long as you can't measure a guy's heart or tell what he's thinking, you know, you can't be right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, it's, it's really easy to say now that, you know, he has most heart and he had most determination. But when, like, I try to put myself in, like, that, that time, that week of the combine, and to think like today, because the combine picture of Tom Brady is so infamous, because it's it's just an awful picture <laughs> but of the eventual like greatest quarterback of all time in our sport. Yeah. So, which leads into my question: Obviously, he was mentally mentally set to be one of the greats, and his determination, his competitiveness, um, etc., was is really what drove him. But physically especially considering, you know, how he didn't exactly match up to the other prospects physically. Did you guys have, and I know it wasn't, it's not really your job as a college recruiter. You're not thinking about putting guys to the NFL. You're thinking about putting guys on a team that's going to win a championship in their four years at college. But did you guys have any expectations of him at the pro level? Because all numbers in particular, wise, it didn't seem like he was really going to translate to being a pro quarterback. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I don't, um, you know, none of those things, uh, none of those signs showed that he would be a, a pro quarterback. But, I mean, Jason, I don't know how else to say it other than as long as you can't measure what's in a guy's heart and what's in a guy's between it on, on his shoulders, 
you know, or his determination or his drive or his, you know, they, they're never going to be right. He's going to be the one guy or for sure, at least one guy that's going to say this scouting business is a bunch of crap because really, and that's why I think they try to learn as much as they can and all that stuff about a guy, but physically he doesn't, you know, he's not, a, but you know what, you, you don't measure a guy physically. You measure him other ways, you know, but that's all they think about. I, I don't think I, I ever thought, you know, I don't really look at it that much. We didn't, ha- we didn't have any, uh, Gerback played a little bit while I was, you know, mm-hmm. before. And I don't know whether we had any other guys that played, um, pro football at quarterback before him. I don't remember. If, well, I was, I wasn't there when Harbaugh was there. He left the year before I got here. Right. But, um, so I, I, I don't really know how to answer the question. I mean, I mean, other than, you know, you, you can't measure a guy from his physical attributes. Coach, before we let you go, I'm just curious, uh, any any of the college quarterbacks that will be coming out this year? Because uh, we're all doing our homework here in Chicago as to the next strikeout at quarterback for the Bears. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, who do you like? Which, which quarterbacks do you think uh, do you like going on to the next level? Um, I, 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 well, I, I think that, um, I can't remember his name, but the kid from Georgia, I really like him. I mean, uh, he, he's done everything he's won. And, um, I just think of, of all the ones I like, I, although I, I like the kid at Alabama too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's kind of a kid that would remind you a little bit of Tom Brady. I mean, the other guys have all the Justin Fields and, the kid at Georgia have all the physical attributes and stuff like that, but Mac Jones is it Mac Jones? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I think he's you know he probably he probably my guess is he probably won't test very well either, but he's pretty pretty good. I love it. You know, it's interesting. I I, I kind of like him too, to be honest. I love it. I hope I well we can only hope here in Chicago that at some point we're able to talk about a franchise quarterback in our lifetime. <laughs> Coach Morrison, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the podcast. We know who you're going to be rooting for on Sunday in the Super Bowl. TB for sure. You got it. Thanks coach. Have a great weekend. Thank you. I really appreciate it. All righty. Bye-bye. Jason, what did you think of Coach Morrison? That was very fascinating how, I mean, nobody really knew at Michigan at the time that Tom Brady was going to amount to anything in professional football, more or less a pro bowler, more or less the greatest quarterback of our generation. So that was very eye-opening, crazy to me. Um, and I, I love how Coach Morrison wasn't one of those guys who tried to act like, like back 20 years ago, like he knew that he was going right. to be so great and – because there, oh, I, I'd almost guarantee you there are people that will try to fabricate their relationships and experiences with Tom Brady into that. He was going after Bobby Sablehouse. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I just, I love how raw and authentic and just straight up honest, yeah, Coach Morrison's input and his his experiences were, and it's it's incredible to me because, as I said, I've never been around somebody who's regarded as one of the greatest in their sport. I've always wondered just simply what are those people like, and I think I have a much more complex understanding of it after I talked to Coach Morrison today. All right, Jason, what's your your predictions? 
So I'm going to say that the Chicago Bears, my first prediction right here, I think that this does not have anything to do with my quarterback prediction. So, yes, I can double down on the Bears predictions, even though, as we learned with the last podcast, that going through all of my predictions and I need to do a better job of thinking them out and not sounding like an idiot. But without further ado, here's my first prediction. I'm going to say the Bears are not going to trade up in the first round of this draft. Please, Lord, please do not trade up. I I just I, I don't want to trade up for another quarterback. Unless it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, which you can never trade up for Trevor Lawrence because he's going number one. I don't trust the idea of trading up for another quarterback, and I just think that it would be so shallow for this front office to do that after they did it with Trubisky. It failed so freaking miserably. If they were to trade up, pick a quarterback, after how thin the ice that they walked on was this year and how they barely got brought back after the season, I think that it would be unbelievably shallow and toned up if they were to trade up for a quarterback. So I think it'd be funny, but I don't think it's going to happen. Okay. What, what, what if, what if it was a package at like a three team deal and they ended up with Aaron Rodgers? Okay. We'll move on. Go on your next one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I am going to say right now that, Gonzaga and Baylor in college basketball, and this goes right back to the Texas-Baylor game. Gonzaga and Baylor aren't going to lose games up until the NCAA tournament where one of them has to lose. I just Gonzaga, they're always good. This year they're especially good. The teams that they're playing are especially not as good. So I don't think that they're going to lose between now and then. And Baylor, my goodness, Baylor is probably the best power conference team that I've seen since Kentucky nearly went 40-0 several years ago. So I'm going to say that both Baylor and Gonzaga don't lose games the rest of the regular season. Um, obviously, at least one of them has to lose in the tournament. It would be crazy both of them lost, but that's my prediction there. Not too bold, but I want to rack up the prediction points when we inevitably go through them again. Okay, my final thoughts. Last year, Tom Brady went to the Buccaneers. Before he did, radio host Dan Patrick had revealed that one of the teams that Brady was actually considering was the Chicago Bears. Great city with an airport that could allow you to get anywhere quickly. That was important for his wife, who is a supermodel and, you know, might be working on either the East or the West Coast. But I think that was just a fleeting thought. No one will ever know what the Bears did or did not do to try and attract the greatest quarterback of all time. All right. This may not be fair, but we know the Bears front office and, and their, all the failed yep. quarterbacks that they have, they have and they have not, um, you know, uh, uh, picked or signed, right? So we all know about Ryan Pace, strike three. He went from Mike Lennon, Mitch Trubisky to Nick Foles. Who knows what's going to happen on um, strike four. <laughs> but back in 2000, the Bears weren't the only ones that um, did not take Tom Brady, as we all know, uh, in 2000, in that draft, their first-round pick was Brian Urlacher, Hall of Famer. Then it was Mike Brown. Then it was Dustin Lyman. Then Des White, Reggie Austin. And they even drafted kicker Paul Edinger in the sixth round, 15 picks before Tom Brady. So just remember, though, The Bears are not the only ones who passed on the greatest of all time. 31 other teams bypassed Brady, selecting 198 players ahead of the Patriots before New England took a flyer on him in the sixth round. Just think about that when you hear NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell on draft day say, 
With the 20th overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select, and we can only hope it will be the next Tom Brady. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Our thanks, as always, to Adam Yaffe. A new year, but the same professional expertise he gives us in guiding the show. Hey, thanks also to Eldo and all the folks at the Barroom Network. It's been a great start on our new platform home with some of the best Chicago football podcasts available on Podbean. Check us out there and wherever you get your audio. And thank you to Coach Bobby Morrison, former Michigan Wolverines assistant coach, for joining us. And do not forget that you can find the podcast website at thesportscasterandthesun.com and on YouTube, on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest, too. Thank you, everyone. Remember to download, subscribe, and rate our podcast on Apple, Podbean, Google Podcasts, wherever you may listen. Thank you to our 15,000 listens and counting. Stay safe, everybody. So long. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. And by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.